of the Home Run on Wheels podcast, where we chronicle the baseball trip of a lifetime while raising awareness of the needs of children in the foster system through our partnership with Children's Hope Alliance. This is Ron Clements with my wife, Patty. Hello. We're about to leave Kansas City and head to St. Louis for number 30. The finale, baby. The big finale, and we got some really good news on Wednesday. Uh, the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition, there I can finally say the name, the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition in St. Louis has received 20 tickets for this Friday's game against the Dodgers, and then we're going to go to Sunday's game against the Dodgers. A huge series for the Cardinals, uh, but we are ecstatic. 20 tickets. We really need to thank the United Way of St. Louis, as well as Wells Fargo, your employer, <laughs> for hooking up the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition of St. Louis uh, for 20 tickets for Saturday's game. Yeah, that was great news, and I'm so happy that we're able to get these kids out there to the game and further our mission to help kids who need a good experience. Exactly, and we're still trying to uh, work on that September 23rd game as well. You can find Home Run on Wheels at GoFundMe, GoFundMe.com slash home-run-on-wheels. You can also find it using my name, Ron Clements. Um, the money is slowly trickling in, and uh, but the more money we're able to raise for that game, the more tickets we are able to buy and donate to the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition. And uh, heck, the more money we raise, too, the better tickets we can get for these kids, too. You know, so... Because I, I think, you know, if you're up in the 400 level, that's great. But if you can sit in the 100 or 200 level, that's even a better experience for these kids. Yeah, regardless, it's a good night to just be in the ballpark. And especially when, or should say day, to be in the ballpark. Right, Sunday afternoon, yep, the 23rd. Right. But again, regardless, just getting into the ballpark. It is nice, though, to be able to catch a home run ball like that one kid did. Yeah. But, you know. And the kid you brought up with the home run ball is that kid in at Coors Field in Denver who got the home run ball off Herman uh, Marquez. That was a memory that kid's going to have for life. And if we can create another memory like that for a kid in St. Louis, that's even better. Did we see any home runs in KC? Um, I don't think so. But the Royals did win, so that means the home teams. This was Tuesday. We Stadium number 29. I officially have now caught up to you. I've been to all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. <laughs> That's right, but I'll always have been first. Right. Well, technically, <laughs> I've been to more ga- more stadiums than you have. Just, I've been to... Did, a, whatever, a, a that, wasn't, that wasn't the measure I'm talking right. about. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the Royals did beat the White Sox. Kind of an empty stadium because neither team are very, was very good uh, this year. And it was a Tuesday night uh, in September... So the tailgating scene that you bragged about did not live up to the hype. It didn't because of the time of year, the day of the week, the atmosphere that was happening at the time. But it was military recognition night, and that was was pretty cool. It was 9-11, so September 11th, the 17th anniversary of the uh, horrible attacks on this country. And um, yeah, a lot of uh, military tributes. Um, There was a member of the military who introduced every player in the starting lineup for the Royals. That was that was kind of neat there from like every branch of the service. Yeah, and of course the national anthem was sung brilliantly. By Janerald Wilson, St. Louis native, right. uh, retired Navy. That guy, 
he does the best national anthem of anybody in the country. He's amazing. General Wilson. I have to agree. The best male. The best female, you know, was sitting you. across from you, right? No. Right. I mean, it's like... <laughs> anyway. It's like Whitney Houston Super Bowl, the former Patty Wright, 2006, Bush Stadium, right? There you go. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so what did you think of the stadium itself? It's nice. It's really cool. It was built in 1973, and while, you know, it's an old stadium, it feels modern, I can see why in 73, when the Royals moved into this thing, why it was considered like the crown jewel of baseball at the time, because it is a very cool looking stadium. Uh, the architecture, you can tell it's old, especially with the, uh, like behind home plate, the upper deck, you know, that looks, you know, older, but it's also kind of, of cool looking, uh, nostalgic, if you will. Um, and that the fountains in the outfield, I mean, they sacrificed a lot in terms of attendance. Right, number of seats. Right, to put those fountains out there. But, oh, my God, it's beautiful. Isn't it? And then the large jumbotron. Right, that with had the crown. one of the biggest screens in it the was, country I believe. At, when it was built. So that that's really neat with the little, yeah, like you said, little crown on top. And on the side that faces the freeway, it says Kansas City Royals, world champions. Of course, as we drove by it, I went, world champion, Kansas City Royals. 1985, 2015. 2015 team does not resemble current team. <laughs> yep. You you did your announcer thing very well, dear. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> that area, though, by the scoreboard is really cool behind it because you got the fountains in front of it, but then behind it, huge kids zone. And yes, they had a carousel. I know. We've only seen that in one other place, and that was at Comerica Park, where they had a carousel and a Ferris wheel. No Ferris wheel at Kauffman Stadium, but they do have a carousel. A pretty legit kids' ball field, too, back there. Yes, and of course, batting cages, and the I'm trying pitching. to think of what else. There was a lot there. Yeah, the uh, kids can practice their pitching skills, see how fast they can throw the ball, and how accurately. Uh, and then... Um, yeah, the batting cage, like you mentioned, the slug, the little slugger's batting cage, because the Royals mascot is named Slugger. Yes. With a couple of R's. Because he is a lion, right? Correct. Because he's royal. Exactly. The king. King of the jungle, baby. That's right. It's good to be the king. Yeah, so I agree it's a great stadium. You know, it's been a while since I've been there, and I hadn't really walked around all of it when I was there the first time, so... I thought that was really interesting. The Hall of Fame was nice as well. It is, and it's, they call it the Royals Hall of Fame, but there's a lot of non-Royals stuff in there. Uh, and, you know, like the, the evolution of the baseball over time. Uh, there's some players in there, some jerseys and stuff from guys who did not play for the Royals. Uh, it's, it's more of a, like they call it the, the Royals Hall of Fame, like I said, but it's more of a baseball museum than anything, which is really cool. But course there's a huge shrine in there to george brett basically <laughs> of course greatest royal of all time and right uh the retired numbers frank white and former manager dick hauser uh they have statues out there as well as the former owners the late owners uh the, the coffin family uh no that's a really cool stadium and you can it predates camden yards by about 20 years but you can i would not be surprised if the architects at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, looked at Kauffman Stadium to get ideas. That could be. 
the speaking of the museum, though, we also went to another museum in Kansas City. Yeah, a baseball trip would not be complete without a trip to the Negro Leagues Museum in Kansas City. And that was something that a lot of people told us. When you're in Kansas City, don't miss the Negro Leagues Museum. It's really interesting. There's a lot, so much information in there. It really is. It's kind of hard to process because, I mean, you, you could spend, we were in there for like two hours, but you you could spend a whole day in there, really. And, it could, and it's not even that big. But if you took the time to like read every little placard and every little newspaper clipping and if, if you took the and, and watch every video if you took the time to do all of that yeah you could be in there all day yeah and it's interesting stuff it's not just fluff it is no, very interesting not just about baseball but about the history of the united states pertaining to african americans and just the war right wars and how that impacted baseball and how baseball impacted other events in the country as well yeah the history lesson uh, for lack of a better word kind of starts with the civil war and how and how many uh black soldiers fought and then you know works its way through world war one and world war two and world war two not just for the negro leagues but for major league baseball in general is very disruptive a lot of guys getting drafted and who had to interrupt their baseball careers to go fight overseas, whether it was in the Pacific or the European theater. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was like, like you said, very interesting, well worth the, what was it? 11 bucks or whatever to get in. It, it's you know, $10 to get in. We paid 15 cause we did the, the combined too, with the, the jazz building. museum. Right. But yeah, definitely worth the money. Very interesting information. A lot of heroes in that, museum oh without a doubt and you know guys who kind of have their own uh areas or special recognition of course satchel page and buck o'neill and rube foster i mean these are you know icons of baseball who started in the negro leagues because baseball was segregated at the time and and uh you know one another thing in there that another exhibit kind of shows how media pressure really forced Major League Baseball, beginning, of course, with uh, Branch Rickey and the Dodgers signing Jackie Robinson, but it was media pressure that really forced more baseball teams to sign black players. And, uh, you know, we would not know baseball as it is today without the power of the press in the 50s and 60s. Uh, and kind of interesting, the Yankees and Red Sox were two of the last teams to sign black players. In fact, the most National League teams were signing black players, but the American League teams, they, they kind of called it like the old boy circuit because they were like aging players, And whereas the National League was dominating the World Series at the time because they had these, these young young guys like Ernie Banks and Lou Brock and Bob Gibson and, and, so, and, and Willie Mays. And, and so the National League teams were, were, were crushing it while the American League teams, their rosters were getting older and stuff because they just had a bunch of white guys and, and they would not sign these young, talented African-American players. Kind of crazy to think about that now. Well, it is crazy. And you were talking about how Satchel Paige don't even know how many games he actually won because the records weren't quite up to date from the Negro League. Yeah, but and he was a guy who, like, if someone wanted him to play a game, he would do it. Uh, so, like, yeah, his official game count, or his official win count was like 150 or something like that, but... Who knows how many games that guy pitched and won because he just loved baseball. And when he signed 
When he was signed by the Cleveland Indians in 1948, he was 42 years old. Yeah, let that resonate for a minute. Yeah. Think about what that means, somebody a, today. Yeah. And the accomplishments. Oh, yeah. He was part of a World Series championship team in 1948. And then five and six years later, he was an all-star. So, like, 47-year-old all-star. I mean, just, <laughs> That's and, just crazy. Yeah, and, and, and he played professional baseball until 1965, okay? Let that sink in. Almost 60 years old this guy was when he finally retired from, from playing baseball. Wow. I mean, just, arguably the best pitcher of all time. He just doesn't have an award named after him like Cy Young, you know. But, uh, yeah, just an unbelievable talent. Satchel Page. It would have been awesome to have been able to watch him play. I can just, like, if I had a time machine, that's one of the things I would want to do is, you know, <laughs> kill Hitler and watch Satchel Page play. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One and two. All right. Got it. So Wednesday, I got that phone call from Kim Johnson with the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition. Also received another phone call, though, from Texas. And it was a guy we met at Globe Life Park named Donnie Portash. Donnie listened to the podcast episode because we exchanged cards with him, right? And he listened to the podcast episode and then called me because there were a couple things that we brought up about Globe Life Park that just didn't make any sense to us. Right. And I think that's really good of him that he called and we saw just from all the folks who worked there and we mentioned that who worked there at the stadium, that they were so helpful and, you know, very proud of their team and, and their and their stadium. Yeah, super friendly people. And I actually emailed him and I told him that the two Dugs in our section, Doug the Usher and Doug the Vendor, were great. But Donnie, though, answered the two questions that we had. One, why was the Rangers Hall of Fame closed? Why is it undergoing renovations when they're getting a new stadium? And he said they took actually everything out of the Hall of Fame and they put it in storage for the new stadium. What they're going to do next year in the final season of Globe Life Park before they move into Globe Life Field is they're going to have an interactive, kind of like a model display of Globe Life Field, and that'll be for season ticket holders, basically, so they can like you know, figure out where they want their seats kind of deal. You know, So that's what they're, they're going to do with the Rangers Hall of Fame next season. That's pretty interesting. And with the kids zone charging five dollars, yeah, he said he doesn't like it either. But that's neither here nor there. So those are the two things that that he he called me about. And but yeah, that's that's great customer service. And I'm that's absolutely that's the only team that's ever done that. Maybe it's the only guy from an organization who's actually listened to our podcast. <laughs> I, could, I have no idea. That could I, be, but I hope not. But <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, heck. If nobody called us from the Mets, then apparently nobody in the Mets listened to our <laughs> podcast because we railed on the Mets Shh, pretty don't, bad. <laughs> don't talk about we there, buddy. Okay. I railed on City Field pretty badly. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of the updates. You know, we got the things going on in St. Louis. Uh, we do need your help. September 23rd, GoFundMe.com, Home Run on Wheels. Please donate so we can get some kids out to a game there at Bush Stadium, give them a great experience. But we'll talk more about our visit in Kansas City right after this word from Children's Hope Alliance. 
any child should be able to at least go to a foster home and experience the family. After a traumatic past, Briar was fostered and adopted through Children's Hope Alliance. I felt like God chose this place, and I feel like when He opened the door for them being my foster parents, He also opened the door for them being my mom and dad. There are kids right now in your community waiting for someone like you to open their hearts and home. To learn more about becoming a foster parent or to learn how to spread the word about fostering, visit childrenshopealliance.org advocate. Welcome back to the Home Run on Wheels podcast. This is Ron Clements again, of course, and we got into Kansas City on Monday. And where did we go for dinner? First place we went? We went to Joe's. We went to a gas station and ate barbecue. We did. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's Kansas City barbecue, kind of world famous. Like people come from all around to go there and and it was recommended, and we're glad we're, we went there. I mean, it was Yeah, great. it's kind of a, a different atmosphere mm -hmm. in that the gas station is on one side. I'm sure it used to be completely different when it first started Probably. out. But the food was very good. Excellent, yeah. Those barbecue beans, man, they were... Those were really good. I, I have to say the barbecue beans Excellent. were delicious. And the food was good. It, difference in... We've had different kinds of barbecue we on have. this trip, for sure. Um, I would say that for, and maybe as one would expect, for the meat itself, I'm going to go with Texas being the best, but I've always loved the sauce in Kansas City, Kansas City barbecue sauce, and had some really good, I had the pork, it was the, I can't remember, it was the super pig or whatever it was, it was really good. <laughs> um, I had the hogomatic. Yeah, and then... There's always, I saw somebody on my social media post something about Queen City Q the other day, and I love their brisket. Mm, mm, mm. That was in, that is in Charlotte, guys. Queen City Q. Yes. And Patty's not a big fan of the vinegar-based Eastern North Carolina barbecue. Nope. Though. Nope. But I went to East Carolina. So go Pirates and go Carolina barbecue. <laughs> but yeah, that was really good. And you know, Kansas City is. I don't know if people know what a fun city Kansas City can be. It is. So Wednesday after we went to the Negro Leagues Museum, we went. I wanted to go downtown Kansas City because we had we had not been there yet. And uh, the Power and Light District, which you thought only consisted of the KC Live area. Yeah, uh, I, I thought that was what that was called. Yeah. No. So I stand corrected, right. and there's a lot of fun stuff around there, and at least within walking distance of there. Um, in the Power and Light District itself, a lot of chains. Yeah. A couple of local and one local chain that we ate at right. that was good. The burger bar. Yes. Um, but No vowels, though. Yeah, BRGR. Right. <laughs> and I had an awesome chicken sandwich there, by the way. Yeah, because you're weird. <laughs> it was Dude. chicken and like a sausage blend. Yeah. It was so good. But yeah, um, it's a neat little area to walk around. There's a lot of different... And we definitely want to come back Venues. to Kansas City, especially because when we did the Boulevard Brewing tour on Monday, before we went to eat at Joe's, we actually got invited by, we met a guy who was on the same tour with us in the brewery, who is a violinist with the Kansas City Symphony, and he offered us two free tickets to see the symphony on Tuesday night. The but, same night we were going to the uh, game. Yeah, the same night we were going to, so we had to pass on that. But I think we got to hook up with the symphony, though, if, 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 if we come back and decide to go see the symphony. <laughs> Even if we don't have a hookup, that building from the outside looks amazing. Really, I can't really wait to see the, the inside of center. it. Yeah. Yeah. But 
So, folks, basically what we're saying is come visit Kansas City if you haven't been because we wish we could have spent more time here because there's a lot to do, a lot to see, and definitely go to the Negro League Museum. It's really cool. Uh, there's I mean, so many other things in Kansas City like we didn't get to do, kind of like every almost, other place, every other city <laughs> we've, we've been to along this journey through 38 states and two Canadian provinces and 15,000 miles almost. Uh, yeah. Phew, you're making me tired. I know, right? But we're almost <laughs> done, though. Today we'll be leaving, heading, driving just the short four hours to St. Louis and uh, settling up there, seeing the Dodgers and Cardinals on Friday. Thanks again to Wells Fargo and United Way of St. Louis for hooking that up for the Foster and Adoptive Care Coalition of St. Louis. We're going to a Sunday's game then with a group of friends, including Celeste Dominguez, the CEO of Children's Hope Alliance. Hopefully she gets out of Charlotte with Hurricane Florence. Yeah, to all of our friends in the Charlotte area, the Just Florida area. In well, all of that area down there in the southern coast, please be safe. Know that we're, our thoughts are with you. For sure. So hopefully, like I said, Celeste can get out of Charlotte and fly up to St. Louis and, and join us. And then the 23rd, again, we need your help. GoFundMe.com, Home Run on Wheels. Find me there, Ron Clements. Uh, donate money. We got some money trickling in. We need more so that we can give these kids an awesome experience at Bush Stadium. So please and thank you. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the Home Run on Wheels podcast. Have a great weekend. No, this is not a test. Never was, never will be. You can take my best, it's yours, it was never for me I'm just looking for something to get me out of my seat Something that's true What did I do?